Hey church, how are you guys doing? Man, we are here for Easter, uh, for a weekend where we gather up uh, for a unique and specific thing that is a little different from all the other weeks that we gather up. We know that we come and are called by God, commanded by God for our own well-being to gather up regularly so that we might come and we might encounter once again the truths of who Jesus is and who we are because of him, to worship him uh, and sing to him together, to explore his word. This is what we do. But on this particular weekend, we come differently. Uh, because we come to celebrate something that we know all too well because it is so worthy of celebrating that we should do it in regularity. In fact, it is the thing we celebrate all year long, but it is this weekend that we get to do it differently. And if you think about it this way, it is that time of year that we come as the people of God, we line the streets, if you will, in this place, so that we can once again have the parade of our mighty King enter in and remind us, show us again, stir us up again to the grand and extraordinary things that he has done on our behalf for our well-being. And so we are here to line the streets. We are here to worship the King because of who he is and because of what he's done. So it's helpful, isn't it? when we're about to do that, that we should remind ourselves of why this king is in every way presently worthy of a parade and our streets being lined and our voices being ready and our hearts being bowed. Why do we do this with this particular king? Because it does seem, does it not, that we are gathering up here to look back at some historical event that has integrated into a religious experience that we now kind of add to our religious calendar. And that is not what we're here for. Because this historical event, unlike others, has current, ongoing, deep implications to us. It is currently out of the victory we celebrate that our king affected that we experience him fully now and will experience him and life fully forever as his people who have come to know him and believed in him so this is what the scripture tells us and this is what we discover as humans when we hear the good news and when and if we believe, then come to discover the wonder of a relationship with this king. This is what scripture says, that when God first created us as a human race, he created us to have a relationship with him, our creator, so unhindered that we would experience the full nature of his goodness and life and freedom. In other words, we would know of life as life only. We would not know of death, of suffering, of struggle. We would know no such thing. We would not even be able to conceive of it. All we would know is life because of the way that he made us and the relational dynamics that we have, that he made us to be able to engage in this beautiful freedom of relationship, we also had the ability as the human race early on to consider things. And one of the things brought to our consideration in and through our ancestors was God's spiritual enemy that has its own scriptural story as to how that happened come to us as a human race and suggest to us through our ancestors that perhaps this world God had put us in was not a world that was empowering us to know all that wonder and freedom, but a world holding us back. Why did he say that? Because God had said to our ancestors, enjoy all that I have given you, but know if you eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, if you know what that will make you know, then what that will cause for you is not life, but death not freedom, but bondage, it will affect something for you that will kill you. And the enemy convinced our ancestors 
that that was not a truth. And so they voluntarily defied the wisdom of God when in relationship with God, they had every reason not to in a different way than us. And in that, something entered, according to scripture, into our human story and all of creation. We need to remember this if we are going to line the streets and worship our king's victory for us because we don't know what victory is until we know what we needed. Something entered our story. The scripture calls it sin. Think of it as a virus because that's how it behaves. Sin came in and infected our nature as a human race and caused external realities from that nature, behaviors, thoughts, and patterns that were the opposite of what is just and good and right. And this terrible thing, sin, this virus, infected the human race and has infected the human race and creation ever since. What we discover through scripture and frankly through observation of human history is that this virus has some consequence to us. Some we discover through scripture because we couldn't know but for being told. One, we are told that this thing, because of those behaviors, thoughts, and patterns that are revealed out of what is now nature, caused us to stand indebted to the kingdom of God and to God himself because we now have unjust, unrighteous reality that we bring to the table. So there's consequences to that. We stand indebted to the kingdom of God and we stand before the kingdom of God in the path of justice as we are now defined by scripture as people who cannot be just. And then we also discover in scripture this, which becomes important as we get ready to align the streets and worship. The scripture says that the kingdom of darkness and he who rules that kingdom, who first brought to us this lie as a human race, we now belong to that kingdom and to him as slaves. That's actually the word used in scripture. It is a strong and hard word, one we know we hate because we know what slavery does, do we not? And we are called slaves to the kingdom of darkness and slaves to death because the end result of this virus sin is ultimately not just a behavioral change, but a end that is death because that's what viruses do. Untreated, they cause us to die. And sin was going to do that, not just on a temporal, but eternal level. This is what we discover in the story of the good news of God's rescue of us. We find ourselves there bound to the kingdom of darkness as slaves, indebted to the kingdom of light because we have now sinned and are sin because it has infected us. And we stand without the capacity to unravel our bondage or pay our debt. And then we come to this weekend and we celebrate this weekend because the other thing that this beautiful revelation tells us happens is that simultaneously another story was unfolding from the very beginning in the book of beginnings, Genesis. And that story was the story of God's intervention to our failure. And throughout the Old Testament, promises are made that despite this reality of our human bondage and indebtedness that then leads to a punitive reality in which we will pay the consequence for these things, now the scripture says, one will come who will set that right and unravel what you've been raveled into. And as we enter the New Testament, the gospels, we begin to discover a person his name is Jesus, and we begin to get to know him through those who walked with him, who wrote it down in the Gospels. And in some ways, we have the privilege of getting to know him in the same progression as they did, as one who begins to seem to be the one promised, the Savior or Messiah, as we call him. And as the Gospels progress, we're like, whoa, this kind of power displayed, this kind of authority in his words, this kind of thinking beyond anything we've ever experienced, as they experience it, so do we get to, to the point where we get toward the end of the gospels and we say to ourselves, this must be the one 
who has come to conquer and set things right so that we would be right with God and we would be free so that we would not be bound slaves to the kingdom of darkness with an inevitable destiny of death. He will come and make it right. And we end up at the historical events that represent this weekend that we are here to celebrate. And they start at the beginning of the weekend. Many of us gathered here on Friday night to start our journey this weekend at the beginning of the weekend. Because at the beginning of the weekend, we watch this Messiah, this savior who seemingly brought such power and authority to the table, but then when actually going up against Rome and humanity's vengeance, and as we find out in scripture, the vengeance of the kingdom of darkness, it would seem on Friday that his strength was not enough. And he was defeated because he was brutally murdered and he died. What we discover in scripture now, which is why we're here today, is not just that he resurrects, we're gonna get there. That's not the great joy. The great joy actually comes with what we discover about that seeming defeat. That that seeming defeat was not defeat at all. In fact, in the majestic wisdom of God, it was the one thing we couldn't have imagined that would satisfy all that was necessary to set us free. Jesus on that cross spoke some words right before he offered his spirit to the Father. And these were the words he spoke. In English, there are three words. In Greek, it's only one. He said the words, it is finished on the cross. In the Greek, it is tetelestai. That's what he said, tetelestai. In Jesus' time, that Greek word was used in three contexts in regularity. It was used in the context of business where one person would take on the debt from another person, borrow from them and be indebted to them. And when over time they paid their debt back on the day that the last payment was made and their debt was satisfied, the person to whom they were indebted would come to them and say, it is finished. Your debt is satisfied. You are no longer in my debt. The second context that this word was used in the time of Jesus in the Greek language in regularity was in the context of the court system. When somebody had done something unjust, unacceptable, uh, criminal, whatever it might be, that required consequence, payment, punishment, you would come and you would receive from the judge your consequence. And after you had duly satisfied that consequence, you'd run your prison sentence, you'd received your beating, you'd whatever it was during the time of Jesus that they did in Rome. When it was satisfied, if you lived through it, then they would say to you, it is finished. The due punishment for your actions, the consequence to your reality, you have paid it in full, so you are now free, don't do it again. It is finished. And the third, believe it or not, context in which this beautiful phrase was used in regularity in the time of Jesus in the Greek language, was when a victory would be won by a king or a commanding officer in war, and the word would be sent back to the city of people waiting to hear whether they have won or lost. And if they had won, the word would come back and the herald would say, it is finished. And you knew if he said that, he did not mean we lost. There was only one thing that word would mean, and that is that our king or our military leader or our army has won. And that was a really big deal because in the time of Jesus and before and for many time after, if you lost a war, it meant that coming back to your city was the enemy and you were about to go from being free to being bound, to being oppressed, to being taken. 
because a war would protect you as the enemy came. What a profound thing that Jesus would say on the cross, bringing together all of those necessary worlds in this work I have done on this cross, I have defeated the power of and consequence of sin to the people that I made and I will be enough for them now to set sin and death in them right so that they would have life and freedom. And here's how he said it. I have paid the debt due to the kingdom of heaven. I have satisfied the punishment due, the consequence due for sin. And I have been victorious over the virus itself so that it has no power over me or my people. And anyone who knows this and believes in me and what I have done, I will give them freedom. I will save them. I will set them free and I will protect them for eternity. They will have life. It is finished. So on Friday, we gathered up and we gather up so that we can come and be reminded of the weightiness and the price that needed to be paid for our rescue. For us to not be a person infected by sin and doomed for death. And we were reminded on Friday that this price was high because Jesus took on more than seemed to be visible to us, didn't he? He took on the full wrath of the kingdom of God because he took our sin on himself and then let that which was due us and we owed be paid on him. So he took on the wrath of the kingdom of light, not because the kingdom of light hated him, but because the kingdom of light hates sin and it is something that has no place. And he took on the wrath of the kingdom of light and he took on the wrath of the kingdom of darkness, the full onslaught of the spiritual dark places of death itself. And the one who rules that place poured everything he had to defeat this Messiah. And he took on the wrath of mankind. We drove the nails through his hands. We dragged him through the streets and we beat him. Imagine coming and encountering the full wrath of all kingdoms and bearing all of that weight. Who can do such a thing? And that is why we stand here in awe, starting to go, I know one name who seems it will be, did it. So on Friday, he conquers sin. And we hold with some hopefulness that perhaps death is now tr truly conquered too. But we don't know because he died on that cross. Yeah. And we arrive here. Because on this day, we celebrate something else that happened this weekend. That Jesus didn't only conquer sin for us, setting us free from its consequence, but he actually conquered death itself for us, demonstrating once again that he has power over all things. So on Friday, when we gathered here, we had the opportunity to immerse ourselves through the beauty of technology and the talent of people that can bring to us thoughts and feelings from other spaces. We got to gather here and immerse ourselves in a glimpse back at to the events that took place that we celebrate here today. We got to immerse ourselves through three kingdoms because remember, Paul writes in the book of Philippians to the church in Philippi, this Jesus, because of who he is and because of what he's done, that he humbled himself to death, even death on the cross, paying for our sins and setting things right, he has been shown to be the one whose name is above every name, who is King of Kings and who is Lord of Lords. And then it says, and every knee will bow to this King and this Lord now for sure, because we know who he is now. Every knee where? Uh, in heaven, every knee on earth and every knee under the earth. And so we know from scripture through that and many other spaces that there were multiple kingdoms in play 
on this particular weekend as they are. So on Friday, we got to watch briefly the events take place from behind a tree through the eyes of those three kingdoms. We got to encounter the arrogance of the kingdom of darkness, believing defeat of this great king. We got to encounter the grief of mankind at that time without knowledge of his incredible power, finding themselves lost through the voice of Mary. And we got to encounter the voice of heaven watching from a distance with knowledge beyond the other two to say, oh, pay attention. I think he just won big. In fact, I know he did. Today, if we're gonna line the streets in a few minutes and bring our full hearts to the table, confess how full praise from our mouths and rise to our feet to invite once again our King to be praised, then perhaps it would be good for us first to immerse a bit in the events of old. And so today we offer you this opportunity for those here that are ready to celebrate the King. We're gonna take you back just ever so briefly into history. You will watch three perspectives play out the same events on the screen through a lens. The first lens will be the kingdom of darkness. You will watch through their eyes these brief encounters of this event. And then you will hear from that voice what it feels like to be here with an open grave. Then we will hear, watch again and hear from the voice of heaven what it is like to see a risen king. And then I pray and hope the one you will pay most attention to today because it is most relatable to us. We will hear once again from the voice of Mary and we will watch her encounter the moment where she moves from hopelessness and grief to the moment she encounters the one we call Jesus. And I pray for you and for me that in her encounter of that rabbi and the fullness of hope found and love found again, that we might remember those of us that have encountered Jesus, we might remember what it is like to know him and be known by him. And then we will hear the voice of our king and he will speak of who he is to us. And I pray that when we get to that part, you would close your eyes and just let his voice wash over you and let that be the moment where you watch him enter the gates of this place, if you will, and prepare yourself. When that moment comes to an end and he is done declaring and our worship team comes to say, shall we parade this thing? Let us rise to our feet. Let us bring our hearts and bow them and let us declare with our voices the worthy praise that is due this King as we remember what he has done for us. And we in this place will give him all the praise. I pray this time will draw you and me into a profound remembrance of what he is and what he has done for us. Pray with me. God, go with us now as we enter this space. May these moments be moments you use to give us the perspective once again of the war won as we hear from your enemy. To give us the perspective of the glory given as we hear from the voice of heaven and that we might walk through an encounter from grief to joy, from hopelessness to full of hope as we walk with Mary. And then, Spirit of God, bring us to a place where we might fully know and see once again how great you are that we might worship you and celebrate you on this 
incredible day where you have once again reminded us that you conquered both sin and death for us so that we, your people who know you as Savior, will have life and freedom both now and for eternity. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. body was my utmost delight. I reveled in the mockery and abuse of him. I lauded the piercing of his side, the one that hung between two thieves is now stolen from me. He has cheated death. How? finished. I held the keys to creation's condemnation, but he tore them from my grasp. He ripped the gates of Hades off the hinges and set my captives free. This isn't over. This isn't over. I will not go quietly. I will bite Though I am bound, I will reap a harvest of spite until the end. The end. It's coming. I feel it rising with this morning's light. Light like I've never seen before. It sears my eyes. It renders me unsteady. I hear that disgusting melody of heaven drifting across the earth. I hate it. Why can't I stop it? He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He is God, and He is risen. 
resurrected King. Behold, the resurrected King. The earth cried out for blood, and He provided the sacrifice. Justice required ransom, and He put on flesh to pay from His own side. And with every tear of his skin, the stripes laid bare God's plan for redemption. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. One was sacrificed for all, laid in a borrowed grave for three days. But listen, now, Hear the sound of the tombstone rolled away. It's the song of death slain. The refrain of resurrection. God is with us. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He is the Messiah. The son of the living God. He is God. And he has risen. I remember the day we announced his birth. We sang to shepherds, the glory of God wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, we get to declare the grieved, the wondrous mystery of a crucified king not to be found in a grave. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Look, here they come, looking for the living among the dead. Woman, why are you weeping?
days. I can't believe it's been three days since... since everything we knew fell to pieces. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Everyone is in hiding. But somebody... Someone has to prepare his body for burial. I keep seeing it in my mind. And I feel the weight of sorrow heavy on my chest. He was so bruised. So bloodied. Almost unrecognizable by the end. Not shown an ounce of mercy. How could so much suffering be borne by one man? An innocent man. Our teacher. Was he not the Messiah? He's been lying there, in the tomb, for three whole days. They said guards were stationed in front of it to make sure no one tried to steal him. What an unbearable thought! Oh, I hope they let me through. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. He cared so faithfully for us. I have to do this. The stone! It's, it's rolled away! What have they done? Where are the guards? His body has been stolen! Hasn't he endured enough brutality and humiliation in life? Does it have to extend into his death? I brought spices to anoint him for burial, and even this, this small dignity has been taken from him. I miss him. I miss him. Woman, why are you weeping? They have taken my lord away, and I don't know where they have laid him. Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Please, are you the gardener? Oh, please, if you have carried the body of my lord away, or have seen where he has been taken, please, please tell me. Mary. Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I hold the keys of death and Hades in my hand. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? See, my beloved, your king comes to you, alive and victorious. I am he. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I am the lion of the tribe of Judah and the Passover lamb. I am the high priest and the good shepherd. I am the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. I am the rock. I am the door. I am the great. I am. I am the fountain of living water 
the bread of life. I am the Son of God and the Son of Man. I am the light of the world, the Word made flesh. I am the healer, the redeemer, the deliverer. I am the righteous one, the risen one. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am faithful and true. I am gracious and merciful, and I am abounding in steadfast love. I am compassionate and I am kind. I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, and always good. I came for you. I died for you. I rose again for you. I am seated on a throne of glory, and I am coming back for you, my people. For I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am Jesus, the Christ. And at my name, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that I am Lord to the glory of God the Father.
no wonder to me when I am back in this place hearing the realities declared in Scripture and today through that voice of who this Savior, this King is. It is no wonder to me that Paul would write, there is no knee that won't bow to this King, a King this compassionate, a King this loving, a King this present, a King this powerful, a King this near, this beautiful, this big, I could go on and on. How could we not know that our knees will bow to him in awe and worship? And so for all of you here that know this Jesus, you have heard the gospel and you have believed and you are his. I pray that you would leave here and that the things that come next, the parties and the foods and the families and the ongoing things of this day and this week's busyness would not interrupt the consistent and constant moving of your heart, remembering this moment to come back and on regularity during this week, just bow your heart, your knee, and just say, thank you, King Jesus. I worship you. So that when we leave this planet and we see him face to face, we will lay our knees down with great joy and awe and worship, worshiping our King. But it is clear in scripture too, that it is not just the knees of those who know and believe Jesus that will bow in awe and worship of him. It is every knee in heaven, every knee on earth and every knee below the earth that will bow to this King, whether in worship and awe or whether in fear and trembling. That is not something to scare anyone with. It is just a truth. And that truth stands in scripture, irrelevant of our opinions, beliefs, or thoughts. It is just something that will happen. And that is why we are driven as people who know Jesus to want everyone to know Jesus so that they would know the joy and unspeakable wonder that it is to get to know him over a lifetime and see him become more than we could have imagined and then only to meet him after life so that you might not need to bow your knee in fear and trembling to this king. So if you're here and you don't know Jesus, we're so glad you came today. We want to give you the opportunity to explore some of what you've heard today. And there's so much more. We want you to know Jesus, to hear of him and to choose to believe if you see fit so that you too would know what it is to be his people and that you would be saved. So if you have questions about this, if you're like, I'm curious, I want to know more, we will have people up here standing here as soon as we dismiss. Feel free once the crowds dissipate or through the crowds, if you wish, come forward and find someone. It won't be weird, won't be awkward. They just are here to answer your questions. And they'll take as much time as you need today or in the weeks to come to answer whatever questions you have so that you would have the opportunity to explore rightly because I think with news like this, that every knee will bow, it is worthy at least of you being sure one way or the other. You don't want to just let this one go. If you are here and you're visiting and you live in the area and you're looking to connect at a church and you haven't yet, there's a number of great churches in our community. We hope we're one of them. If you'd like to explore what it means to connect here, there's a bunch of people out in the lobby with blue shirts on. Those of you wearing blue shirts, sorry about that. <laughs> you will be inundated somewhat, but these blue shirts have words on them. Uh, go find one of those people and just say, I'd like to know more about what it might look like to connect here. Or you can jump on our website. This is mosaic.org. We have a thing coming up in May, early May called chapter one, just a, an afternoon where you get to hear about who we are and how things work around here if you're interested. We do hope one way or the other, whether here or somewhere in our community that you connect to a church if you follow Jesus, because we need each other so that we can stir each other up and spur each other on toward love and good deeds and toward Jesus himself. Let me pray a blessing over you now as I send you out of here so that we might walk out of here full of God and we would walk out of here worshiping him. The Lord bless you and keep you. 
the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And may your knee bow in deepest devotion and your tongue confess in highest praise that Jesus is indeed Lord. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. Have a wonderful weekend.